All right. Dropping like it's hot. Hello, everybody. It's Thursday, February 29th. What the fuck? Is it? Is this, a, is this the, the rarest chapo on leap day? This, this, this isn't right. It should be March. It's a rare chapo because it's on February 29th, leap year. But um, uh, perhaps even more special still because we're joined by our good friend uh, Max, a.k.a. Sweet Palma from podcasts you might remember as Seeking Derangements. Hello, Good Max. afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, y'all. You know, I, I feel really, really bad that I'm not bringing the rest of the gang in because I know you guys get a lot of comments and requests for more Jacques. And uh, <laughs> instead, like the, the monkey paw curled and you guys are getting the most well-adjusted uh, member of that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Max, we wanted to have you on because uh, we would like to talk to you a little bit about the country of El Salvador and its epic ah. new president. Uh, but before before we talk about El Salvador, I'd like to talk about something um, even even cheerier than that, which is uh, Israel and Palestine. And I guess it's just like one of those days where I, I, I talked about this when we interviewed Ali Abunima. But I mm-hmm. feel like every fucking day now, I wake up to like reading an account of some unspeakable atrocity, and it's just like staring me in the face like a new gray hair or a wrinkle, just smack in the fucking mirror every day. And, you know, like, and every day it's the same. And today it was um, an incident being referred to in the New York Times, BBC and CNN as a chaotic style incident in which the Israeli military <laughs> opened fire on starving people seeking food aid, uh, killing some hundred of them, uh, wounding probably thousands more. Who fucking even knows at this point? But I, I guess it's just like it. I just feel like, yeah, I got to come on and say something or say something that makes sense or is the right thing to say. And I guess like I just want to talk about this in the context of the uncommitted vote in the Michigan primary that just happened, mm. where, you know, uh, like in a short amount of time, probably, what is it, over 100,000 people not, not, didn't just stay home, but came out and voted on an uncommitted ballot because as a like specific protest vote against Joe Biden's policy of continuing and being a party to this ongoing genocide in Gaza, of like, you know, and I guess like I just I don't know what. What, what would be like success for the uncommitted movement? It would be like an end to Joe Biden, to our government's policies towards Israel. It's certainly not going to deny Joe Biden the nomination and it may not even deny him the White House. But like, I, I just like in the context of this, I just feel like it's, it's been a repeated theme on the show, this idea that like every, everyone's like, every, you feel like you're crazy. And I just feel that like as, as the stark horror of what's being done now every day becomes more and more impossible for anyone to deny who's not looking for an excuse to. I guess the people who are still looking for excuses when they're not choking on their own fucking cowardice or hypocrisy will try to make you feel insane or just make you feel like there's not that every like there's nothing you can do to protest this. There's no legitimate means of protesting this. It's all bad. Um, it's all mistaken. And they just make you feel like you're the insane one for not like cashiering your soul to fucking keep keep look keep pretending that this is something other than what we all see with our own two fucking eyes and i guess like i i don't know what to say or do i don't know if like you know we know how i feel about voting for joe biden or like if there's any option to coalesce all this this will to end this horror into like political action but i just feel like what's what's little is left to us in things like voting uncommitted is just like of what little is left for us to do, just simply saying, no, I won't be a party to this. I don't consent to this. And every time you do exercise that, even to a little degree, you're made to feel insane because it's just like it's never acknowledged in the broader, like by voices of authority. And then the people who are, you know, I think like wanting to fool themselves 
because they're committed to this and want to need, need it to be something other than what it looks like, are just going to lash out at you and make you feel like you're mistaken or crazy. Not just mistaken or crazy, but like a, a perpetrator of unknown, unknown and unknowable evil for, for daring to speak up. It, it, it's also insane that it, it, you don't have the same, like it's not real that uh, Catholic presidents are beholden to the Pope because at this point we would have had, we would have nuked Israel, you know, by now. <laughs> yeah, Joe Biden was actually loyal to the Pope. I think the, our policy uh, vis-a-vis Palestine and Israel would be slightly different than it is now. For sure. I mean, you look at Pope Francis who like has, you know, has his you know good side and bad side, I guess you know he's on the one hand he's based on the other hand he's the Catholic Pope, so you can't really give him too much credit, but he's one of the only world leaders who's actually like admitted who who's who's publicized this atrocity in Palestine, who's willing to say something because there are so many Palestinian Christians that, who are they know, were the original bond. Christians original exactly <laughs> the original christians and and not only that but like there's also solidarity with with Palestinian Muslims in a way that there is no uh, outpouring of solidarity from Protestants or from atheists or from anybody else, really, aside from, I guess, um, the, the type of people who would go and, you know, go to a free Palestine march. But those are really, you know, the choir at that point. No, no, I just like the words stick in my throat every time I, I come on here to record. Like, I, I honestly don't know what to say, but like, uh, it's just like as we're seeing this latest just unspeakable atrocity take place. The lies coming out to support this. Oh, they trampled themselves. We merely fired mm. warning shots and then the crowd of starving people that were starving right. to death menaced us and we had to shoot them. These lies are being propagated as the lies used to justify this are falling apart more or less as they're spoken. And I'm speaking about the, I don't know if you guys saw the incredible piece of reporting done by The Intercept this week based on a lot of a lot, a, lot of, a lot of work went into this, but it's Ryan Graham, Jeffrey, Jeremy Scahill, and Daniel Bogusaw, three guys we've all had on the show, who essentially completely demonstrate that like the New York Times and their Screams Without Words series about how, quote, Hamas weaponized mass rape as a tool of war uh, was basically a Screams Without Sources. This, this article is insane. Did you guys get a chance to read this by any Yeah. Case? No, unfortunately, I didn't. But uh, I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll give you the, I'll yeah. give you like the executive summary here. Basically, Please like uh, the most stunning part of it to me was that this absolute dingbat named Annette Schwartz, who that they, they gave this like probably one of the most consequential pieces of wartime reporting that they could possibly do right now. They gave it to this fucking dingbat and her nephew who had never, oh, never, yes. written a, ne- never done any piece of journalism before and were essentially tasked by The New York Times with coming up with sources that can verify these lurid accounts of mass rape atrocity. Anat Schwartz went on a podcast in Israel, in Hebrew, that was translated for this, where basically the entire podcast episode was her being given a friendly interview where she says over and over again that every time she tried to get a source to, go, to confirm any of these stories, she was told that there was nothing to confirm. That she has nothing, no sources whatsoever. The New York Times are aware of this and asked her, like, hey, can you confirm any of this? She said, no, basically. And they said, we stand by her reporting. I'm sorry, like... This makes the New York Times as active a party to this genocide as the Israeli military, as far as I'm concerned. It, it was stunning. It's uh, very disconcerting to see. It's not new, right? The New York Times no. being like a, a cheerleader for this sort of thing is absolutely not new and has never been new. But um, it is especially disconcerting today where you can point to not one, but like a, a, a series of these acts that Israel has done where they've dug in. Like, for example, do you remember the, uh, like the first time they shelled that hospital in, in North Gaza, right? And they, they right. claimed that it was a, a Hamas rocket gone 
uh, that had failed or whatever because, oh, they only buy the Alibaba ones and, you know, they, they got a <laughs> rocket from Tamo and it killed the hospital. So <laughs> what happened to the other like 24 hospitals that they had in the rest of Gaza that got, you know, shelled to smithereens, literal smithereens? Were they all Timu rockets that happened to hit the courtyards and maim a bunch of children? I really don't think so. Like 24 of those? I, I, it boggles the mind. Um, it, it, there, there's either someone asleep at the wheel, someone's nodding off. I, I really want to know what they have these guys on because either they can give me a taste or they can stop doing it. You know, did they, did they, did they bring enough to share with the class, in other, <laughs> in other words? Yeah, yeah. And like you know, the, the consequences of this story are like the justification of the ongoing mass murder of starving people. And, and, like, there is literally not a single source. I mean, that Anat Schwartzwoman uh, posted on Twitter today, and she was like, I'm so grateful for the New York <laughs> Times for allowing me to give voice to these women. What women? You didn't have a single fucking woman go on record. Are you going to get a single source to confirm any of this to the Name standards three. that we meet even the barest, the barest journalistic scrutiny? And what happened is, <sighs> like, they, the New York Times basically gave this totally unexperienced report. There's not even a reporter, basically an intel, Israeli intelligence official gave her and her fucking nephew the job of the most important piece of war reporting they could do. And what they found when they went to, they, get, they said, confirm all these lurid accounts that have already been published and since debunked. So they went out to confirm it. And they, 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 they talk about how they like called every single rape crisis center in Israel, every hospital, every morgue, and couldn't get a single confirmation of any sexual assault that took place on that day. Not one. And what did they do? They went to the Israeli military who directed them to the same sources that had already been debunked, like the, the Zaka <laughs> rescue group. And, this, and again, nice. like this is not, I just, I would just like to, like, I've, I've said it before on this show, but I'll say it again. There is not a single person alive fooled by this who doesn't want to be. Not, like, nobody believes yeah. this shit. It's just a question of whether you are willing to pretend in public once the New York Times gives you, you know, permission to do so. Yeah, no, it, it's gone beyond manufacturing consent. At this point, you're manufacturing a dream world for Zionists to live in and, you know, to cite a paper of record that could, you know, en enable their fantasy that, you know, Israel is a righteous state, that Israel is, you know, the, the only democracy in the Middle East. The, Israel is the only, you know, feminist state in the, in the Middle East. Completely, you know, sidestepping not only what they're doing to Palestinian women en masse, right, but also... What happens in any other uh, Arab state where women have had the right to vote, except in like, I guess, um, Jordan, our good friend Saudi Arabia yeah. or our good friend Saudi Arabia. Exactly. Um, it, they, they could only really point to our allies who are really terrible to women, exactly Saudi Arabia or um, but no, no mention of, you know, Bahrain or, or uh, Kuwait or uh, Qatar or the UAE or fuck, even Yemen. Like, shit, it, it, it's insane. Right. That's the, I mean, that is the just like mind numbing thing about that side of his bar that, you know, this is this is the only play. This is the only country in the Middle East where, you know, women have full personhood and there are pride parades, <laughs> but all their allies in the region, like, I guess, sans Jordan are like those. Those are the most theocratic countries. Saudi yeah. Arabia the UAE, like all the all the countries that they have normalized relationship relations with, or were going to until the uh, the PR from this was just too bad for Saudi Arabia to do it. I mean, like they don't seem to have any problem with it. 
when it's a Gulf monarchy or, you know, ISIS when they set up field hospitals for them. Yeah, no, in- insane. Um, it, it kind of reminds me of when uh, the, the uh, Contra thing was happening, right? And, and um, I don't know, this, this might be very obscure and I can't really cite any sources on this, which is a terrible thing to say, but... It's okay, um, you don't need to. Uh, well, they're not certainly not. No, I mean, any we, good we, we observe either. New exactly. York Times. We observe the standards of the New York Times on this show, so no sources exactly. need to share any information on the show. But just just on the basis of, for example, the Sandinistas allowing abortion when they won in the eighties, uh, when they finally were were regularized, uh, it, it, it suddenly became like a big rallying cry for the Contras. Like, oh yeah, we're the only uh, party that respects life. Completely sidestepping all the all the babies they killed. All the babies they cut out of women, you know, in, in some village, you know, that's I mean, yeah, no, you don't have to make up stories about what the Contras did to pregnant women. No, absolutely not. Or, or what the Contras in El Salvador did to school children. Well, uh, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll get there. We'll, we'll get, we'll there, get there, there. Yeah, <laughs> eventually. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's I, it's I, it's really sad. Really sad. I, don't know. I guess like I just like just like thinking about all this. And again. The New York Times, the BBC, and CNN describing this massacre as, quote, a chaotic incident. Who the fuck are you, Dr. Ian Malcolm? What is this shit? They were in line. They yeah. were in line. Like, how, how, how did you disperse the line with bombs, right? Like, who yeah. is making the chaos here? Same, same with, you know, oh, in Palestine, gay people don't have rights. I mean, we have, uh, Israel basically has sovereignty over Palestine and, and the Gaza Strip. Like, let's not kid ourselves. When when they uh, have complete control of what goes in or out, even into or out of Israel towards Gaza or or um, Palestine, who really who do you really think has control over you know how gay people are treated, for example? And it doesn't matter. Like you're shelling all of them anyway, gay or straight. It doesn't really matter. Um, it, it's it, all these arguments are so circular and twenty years out of date. It, it just it baffles the mind as to how these people are not in a home. I, I, I mean, I think these arguments, like, they're, they're just put, they're trotted out there because someone has to say something. And I don't yeah. think anyone believes them anymore, but there's just fundamentally no link anymore between, like, public opinion and uh, our democracy. And what we're no, seeing yeah. is attempts to wrest control back from that, like, that, this standard, like, for instance, voting uncommitted in Michigan, that we're all being assured now is a total waste of time, no big deal. Nothing happened. Uh, just really a blip on the radar. Biden is, you yeah, know, it's not like a swing state or anything that's well, hanging I mean, by 10,000 votes or whatever. I mean, like, look, he won Michigan in 2020 by about 150,000 votes. By mm-hmm. all polls now, he's trailing Michigan. And if he thinks he has 100,000 votes to spare there, they've probably mm-hmm. made that calculation and run the numbers and they, they decided we don't need him. And they yeah. may be right. They may be right. I'm not holding my breath here to, that, that anyone's ever going to be punished for any of this shit. Let, let, you know, let, forget being in a court or, you know, facing a firing squad. I'm talking just not getting to be president again because, you know, uh, <laughs> who, who knows? Like, uh, you know, uh, uh, the economy is doing well and maybe Trump's like 90 federal indictments will catch up with him in time for November. But like uh, he's certainly willing to risk it all on this. And I, I I just have to like nothing but admiration for the people who organized this really quickly to get way more than they thought to actively vote uncommitted. I'm just hoping Commander can take one for the team and really, (laughs) you know, maybe Biden will put him backwards when he's out on the loop and uh, it'll all be over this this terrible national nightmare. (laughs) It's kind of shocking. It's like, think how many stairs he encounters in his day to day life. (laughs) <laughs> that's how you know Catholicism is real. Dude prays and it works. Yeah. <laughs> and 
Hey, it's not even like he's like good at climbing stairs. Like he falls down mm-hmm. all the time. I've seen way, way more impressive, way sturdier old people just assassinated mm. by stairs. But he's just, <laughs> Absolutely. you know, he, he's he's still he has like power armor or something. Or that like his, uh, his hips are yeah he got a hip repa- replacement from Wolverine <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's called adamantium Jack I mean I'm indestructible <laughs> I'll be here another thirty years I got the healing factor Jack um, but no I want to say like uh, the, the the uncommitted vote in Michigan was so pointless and and such a futile gesture by spoiled children that Biden pretended that there was a ceasefire deal that was going to be coming up this week. When he was fucking sticking an ice cream cone in his face on Seth Meyers. I mean, like, the, the symbolism of this dickhead licking ice cream, lying about a potential ceasefire. It just, I feel like a fucking broken record on this show. I mean, I don't, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what are you going to do? Like I said, uh, Commander, you're our only hope. Uh, <laughs> yeah, or or uh, Buster, whatever the new dog is. I mean, put the last one down. Navy. <laughs> Battleship. Yeah, gun. Yeah, it's obviously a navy dog. I don't know, but anyway. uh, I, I I hope I hope the uncommitted ballot line continues. Um, I hope it continues to to, to go on because someone someone's got to pay for this ship. Absolutely. And, I mean, it is heartening to see so many people. I mean, it, it, it's granted it's a very small sliver of the electorate that is being pulled right now, but um, the results are are very heartening. You know, it's it's it's. More than 10% are very dissatisfied. And these are supposed to be like, you know, registered Democrats. They're not like your average undecided voter. These are people who have a stake in the future of the Democratic Party. And they don't want to see this motherfucker keep fucking it up. You know, they, they, they want him out of there. They want him in a home or something or like far and away from or uh, far away from the levers of power in this country. Because you cannot trust this old motherfucker with them. And, and they're right. And, and, and it's just like over and over again, this idea that like, oh, we just can't tell Israel what to do. And, 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 suppo- and I suppose like in a sixth sense, that's correct, because we're, we can't tell ourselves what to do either. And at this point, no. I don't really think there's much of a utility in pretending that there's any difference between these two governments. I mean, like, like I, I, we've talked about it before on, on, on previous shows. So I don't want to I don't want to belabor it too long. I, I do. I do want to get into El Salvador. But God damn it. It's just like, ah. It's just yeah. it's just unspeakable every fucking day. And the lengths that people will go to debase themselves to fucking cape for this just absolute evil is just uh, it's sickening to me. It, it really yeah. it really turns my stomach every fucking day. Yeah. And the, and the longer it goes on, the more extreme like any good policy has to be like what we're, we're yeah, so, far, saying, we're yeah, so ceasefire, far. A temporary ceasefire at this point. Yeah, uh, we're so far past the point of like a temporary ceasefire being adequate or even just not giving them, you know, vast shipments of weapons and cash transfers. Like a good policy at this point would actually be, you know, launching a JDAM at the Nesset. That's really <laughs> like, really, that's really it. Yeah. It would be to <sighs> decapitate some of their leadership and send a message. We're, we are at that point now. A 10th crusade does not sound too bad right about now. <laughs> uh, Tom Cruise, if you're out there, Top Gun Maverick Part 3. Just make it happen. <laughs> just let's make it real. Let's just make it real. Come on, Pete Maverick Mitchell. Oh, God. Uh, I mean, yeah. So such is life when you hitch your presidency to you know a, an administration based purely on vibes, which is really what we started with in, in 2020, right? Like the, the whole point of the whole mandate for this government has been to bring back good vibes. 
which is not <laughs> mission like, accomplished. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's, it's not. It's not a, a very useful one to begin with. But like, w- when you're hit with a crisis like this, there is no response. Like, they do not have something in their playbook that will end in good vibes. It is bad vibes that are coming from Israel right now, and there's no good vibe that can fix it. Uh, all you know, if you really want to make it a good vibes, you know, regime dismantle the country like it's completely within your power to drain their budget not send a single red cent to israel but uh, you know is that a good vibe for people no no you can't do that that would be preposterous they're our ally dude that's bad vibes to betray your ally the pitch of biden 2020 was like you won't have to read the news anymore basically Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah and you know that turned at this point you don't why bother yeah it's all lies anyway yeah it's all lies (laughs) well uh here here here's a vibe that'll pick things up let's talk about el salvador (laughs) let's talk about Let's yes, country, sir. Country that uh, I know very little about, but but Max, uh, you you know quite a bit. But uh, before I get into Bukele, yeah. the the really the twenty first century, the millennium arc, the millennium prototype mm-hmm. for world leaders, um, mm-hmm. could you just like uh, fill, for for our listeners who maybe don't know, could you could you fill them in a little bit about uh, just uh, uh, where you're from and uh, just El sure. Salvador as a country and your your relationship to this land of contrasts. Gotcha. That is a yeah, very, no, totally. that is mostly thought of as like a nightmarish uh, place to most Americans, and and they're not wrong. Uh, it's just that the nightmare happens at different part of a night. Uh, my nightmare, whenever I go there, starts around five in the morning when the hangover starts setting in after all the blue curacao <laughs> starts, you know, cashing <laughs> yeah. its check. And uh, uh, yeah, no, um, my, my family's from there, so I, I'm. Uh, I wasn't born in El Salvador. My my parents were very lucky there from that generation where it was still possible to make the jump from middle class to middle, upper middle class. So uh, p- people who in El Salvador who, who do that, you know, they're generally, uh, they go to the States to finish college or whatever, graduate. So it was very easy for them to, to have me and my brothers as basically anchor babies and, and come up, uh, move up here eventually. So uh, I, I really do have to uh, acknowledge my, my privilege here because I know what it's like to live without privilege in a country like that. And it is not pretty in the least. Um, I, I'm very grateful that I had the chance to, uh, my, my parents are very Catholic, for example. So I, I used to do, um, like mission trips or like evangelization out in the middle of nowhere where they had killed the priests during the civil war and they hadn't <laughs> bothered, they hadn't bothered to fill, fill it back in. So we had to be like, we were the advanced party for the diocese going, Hey, by the way, the priest is coming this week. You, you guys want to go to confession? You guys want to pray with us? Whatever. So we, we were out all out in the boonies where, you know, 30 years prior, it was a civil war in the 80s, right? Uh, 30 years prior, they, they were recruiting uh, middle schoolers to throw, you know, grenades at government, uh, you know, government troops. They were killing priests for telling them to, you know, it's okay to uh, defend yourself and defend your, your land and property from being encroached from or encroached into by, by the government, trying to fight the guerrilla, all, all, all this, all this uh, nonsense. But I, I lived there for a few years as well. I, I, sh- I should make it clear. Um, when, I was, when I was much younger, uh, like from when I was newborn to about 10. 
And I go every year to visit family. Max, I remember I uh, I, I recommended to you uh, Charles Portis's The Dog of the South once, and you Dog remember, of the I South you said, is. I remember brilliant. you said that your childhood is uh, with bore a lot of similarities to the uh, the sort of the the jungle hideaway of Doctor Rio Symes and his sort of like mission in, in Belize, I believe, is uh, where they are in that book. Yes, uh, Doctor Rio Symes was, um, I think, based on a real person. At least it feels that way. Um, we also did like medical missions. So we did have a, a lot of uh, Symes types uh, coming down to the country, you know, giving free medical care to places where, you know, the one uh, midwife in the village had been shot by the government for, you know, whatever, harboring or letting some guerrilla leader give birth in their place or like uh, a guerrilla soldier or, or, or whatever, or like sewing up uh, people who had been shot, like civilians who had been shot at um, demonstrations or whatnot. So, Dog of the South is 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 one of those. But Gringos, also oh, another a lot Charles Portis book. Now. Yeah, another Charles Portis classic banger. If you haven't read it already, stop this podcast and get on it because it's <laughs> it may, maybe his best book. Actually, my, my if, you're, if you're listening sure. to this right now, stop the podcast, read all of Charles Portis's books. Yes, uh, Norwood, Miscellaneous, Atlantis, well. Dog of the South, True Grit, and then all of the you know the the, the travel writing, short stories, letters, yes, things dude. like that for the then, St. Louis Post Dispatch. Wow. And however long it takes you, then come back, hit play on this episode, and we'll continue. Yes, please. Anyway, um, for for a long time after the Civil War happened uh, in, in 1992 is when they signed the the peace accord in, in Chapultepec, in this old palace in Mexico City. And uh, the way they kind of figured it out since then has been okay. Well, the FMLN, the the United Leftist Guerrilla Front, was granted the permission to become a political party. So from then on, they were able to join or or or. or move their fight to the political sphere rather than, you know, shooting people. Somewhat surprisingly to the rest of this conversation, that political party is where current president Bukele got his start. Yes. And, and there, there's a big, uh, there's a, quite a lot to be said. So uh, up, up to about 2006, 2007, it was led by one of the old blood um, guerrilla leaders, revolutionaries called Shafi Kandal. And if that name sounds a little Palestinian to you, uh, he is one of the original Palestinian. His family is one of the original Bukele's Palestinian immigrants. Bukele's family is also Palestinian. Yeah, yeah. A lot of Palestinian Christians came over during the first uh, wave of pogroms that they had in Israel against Christians and Muslims uh, in the Holy Land. So uh, quite a lot of, I, of my Palestinian friends from El Salvador can trace their lineage all the way back to the 20s in Bethlehem, which is where a lot of them come from. So Bukele is one of those. Uh, funny enough, actually, his dad reverted to, to Islam and became one of the chief imams of, the, uh, of Central America. He's, he's actually supposed to have been Catholic. But anyway, the point is, Bukele was just like a, a, swag, a swagged out guy. He owned like a Yamaha dealership. He was like, yeah, the whole cool family dude. were the biggest, the biggest motorcycle dealers in the nation of El Salvador. This is, uh, exactly. My research no, here. They, 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 were, they were caked up for sure. And around 2006, 2007 is when Bukele first got really involved with the, the leftist front, the, the FMLN. And um, he, he did a lot of like publicity for him and stuff like that, you know, PR, that kind of thing. And eventually uh, in 2011, he was granted the ability to run for mayor of this little suburb outside, outside San Salvador, where a lot of pretty affluent people live. And he turned that, that from the right wing party, ARENA, uh, the Republican Nationalist Alliance, to the uh, Farabundo Marti Liberation Front, which is a, the leftist one. 
So he, and, he kind of pulled it off and, and, and turned that into like a pretty nice place to live. Sorry, go and on. Max, it's, it's, you know, it's interesting. I was, I, was reading, I was reading up on his early political career and his successes as mayor, and it would seem like his political platform was like basically the things that you would want from a mayor of like a small rural town, like things like rural electrification, building Absolutely. roads, building hospitals, things like that. So like, wh- how do we get to the point where he is now or like the two things everyone knows about Bukele now and his platform and really the nation of El Salvador are these two mm-hmm. sort of headline uh sort of policies first of first of first one being of course bitcoin and the second mm-hmm. being this kind of state ongoing state of emergency and a war on gangs in el salvador right so how do we um, how do we go how do we go from being a guy who was swagged out palestinian mm-hmm. riding motorcycles in a political oh, yeah. party founded by a uh, guerrilla left-wing fighters building roads and electricity to being a bitcoin dipshit who's going to war with half the country and Malay's best friend now, apparently. Malay needs all the friends he could get. Yeah. <laughs> His only friend, I am assuming yeah. now, who's not Jewish. I love, the, I love that Malay, uh, he's the only world leader who threatened to kill himself on Twitter. <laughs> he's awesome. I Again, yeah, yeah, like, no, his policies aren't very good, but like he as a person is great. Listen, you can't say he's not Latina. Yeah, no, 100%. What he loves, he loves big. Like his dogs, yep. his cloned dogs that he likes more than people. <laughs> and his sister. Yep. Uh, uh, so Bukele... Hey, but, but I repeat myself. Oh! Oh! Uh, God damn. Don't do him like that. Jesus Christ. That's a woman you're talking <laughs> I'm, about. Supposedly. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. And anyway, um, the way Bukele made the jump from like just your average like functional ma- uh, mayor to kind of like a, a, a despot, a caudillo in, in, in the... The, the local um, uh, tradition is he, he was after having quite a lot of success in that little suburb, he was called up to the majors, which is he was a mayor of San Salvador. He was basically they cooked the election for him. They, they give him the post. They're like, OK, this is you ball out, do whatever you want. And um, he he kind of did the same thing, but he changed his policy a little bit to to highlight. And this is during a time where the, the right and the left wing parties were very, very corrupt. Like it would not be an issue or it would not raise too many eyebrows to know that um, both parties took money from the gangs to like orchestrate uh, like a ceasefire between the two rival gangs, MS-13 and uh, 18th Street Gang. So, Is there an 18th Street in El Salvador? And if so, I'd like to avoid it. <laughs> no, no. It's, it, they're from L.A., originally yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> well yeah ms13 was founded in american prisons right it was like el salvador absolutely el salvadorans who needed protection from like the mexican ma in in, in california not just system. not just that from but uh, pirus from gangs everyone from GD, yeah from everyone everybody because if you were not affiliated you you got your shit yeah you were up. fucking and, and alive absolutely so so these guys uh, like after coming home from prison being deported back to el salvador they kind of started these gangs because again, these are refugees from the, uh, the country. Originally, these these would have been like guerrilla fighters that were you know managed to escape, and th- these are people who may have been fighting with AK forty seven since they were twelve, um, and really don't know any other way to make money than to extort people or to or, or to shoot them or, or to threaten them in some kind of fashion. Anyway. Um, by, by 2012, 2013, the gang problem had become really bad. I mean, you had buses being torched because the, the guy who collected the fare was not paying the right amount of protection money or didn't pay him to the right guy or anything like that. You know, like they were torching these buses with people inside. So it's like under, understandable how like a candidate who promises like sort of radical measures to address public safety would be For popular. sure. 
not only that, but but the uh, the treasury was at an all time low. They had a terrible deficit because so many public officials were basically just stealing and embezzling with no with in a very storied tradition in El Salvador. Embezzling is 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 the national pastime. Number two to soccer, I guess. So it, it got so bad that his his motto for his campaign for his presidential campaign was, you know, there's enough money if nobody steals, which. You know, flawless, flawless logic, but uh, it, it's it, it operating under an assumption that you know, if you give them enough money, th- there'll be enough money for everybody to begin with, which there really wasn't. So his alternative to all these really expensive, for example, reform um, programs for uh, former gang members, you know, paying for laser re- uh, removal for tattoos, paying it's a lot for of laser removal. <laughs> You're talking a about lot of laser, yeah. yeah, very painful. So, yeah. Salute to whoever actually went through with it because <laughs> that shit, that is all over, dude. That's on your dick tip. Yeah, you look like Fire Marshal Bill after you got the shit good, good cut off your, your head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. They, because, they look God, like Caillou and shit. That much be <laughs> yeah. terrible. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, yeah. So, so he completely changed that and and uh, uh, defunded them because he saw them as a a, a time or time and money sink for the government. And uh, instead, he unveiled in 2022 this new uh, hardline campaign, which was somehow different from the other hardline campaigns that had happened prior, where, you know, uh, corrupt... uh, It's like heat happens, but every day, where, like, your neighbor has SWAT called to their house because they were were the lookout for the gang. Like, their son is a lookout for the gang members because he got bullied into it in in middle school. And, And that's one of the main reasons why people leave places like El Salvador because you know suddenly you get a letter or or uh, or you get a text from your local enforcer telling you hey your son's pretty good at sending messages you know if if you don't let him join the gang i'm going to torch your business down or i'm going to torch your house down or i'll kill your daughter you know it's insane i mean like so uh but like currently like what is it, what is the state of play right now as regards like these kind of like extrajudicial detention building a new prison this kind of like this state of exception for the gang yeah. problem and like and also like uh you know like sort of the homicide rate seems to have gone down but it does seem like there's a bit of um fudging the statistics going on there in terms of i've read something about how they're no longer counting people found in mass graves as mm-hmm. homicides or it counts as yes. one homicide rather than 30 <laughs> Yeah, um, it, it it used to be that you d- didn't find the mass graves. What you would find was just like a, a backpack by the side of the road that was suspiciously heavy, and it turned out to be an entire person shoved into it. Oh, Jesus! Um, but n- <laughs> yeah, n- now they're a little bit more, um, a little bit more efficient with it, shall we say? We're literally it, trying to like to, to basically bribe uh, the heads of these gangs to like enforce, like like bribe them, to yeah, keep, to keep a lid on things. But now it seems like they're, they've scratched that, and they're just trying to throw as many of them in jail as possible. Yeah, so they built the the centro de sorry centro de control territorial, which means or secot for short. Um, it's basically like an anti-terrorist, um, like massive supermax prison that they built in the middle of nowhere in this you know giant field that used to be cornfields um, prior to this, and. Um, it's it's just chock full of like i think the last count they had was 60,000 inmates Jesus uh, in a prison Christ. yeah insane and and these are all you know all these cells are stuck stuffed to the gills of people who um a lot of them have not gotten a fair trial it's they're famously putting like hundreds of people through um a hearings to determine culpability or or or, or you know not even sentencing at this point. They haven't even gotten to the sentencing for most people, or for most of these prisoners. 
So they're stuck in kind of like a legal limbo thanks to the state of exception. You know, they suspended habeas corpus. They suspended the right to a speedy and fair trial. And they suspended individual trials. Like if, if you are indicted for a, a, a certain list of charges, you are automatically sent to the pen where you're, you know, you and 200, 200 of your closest associates get to see the judge, uh, maybe via Zoom uh, if you're not lucky. And then you all get, you know, it's either you're all free or you're all going back to prison. So, like, yeah, obviously, like, pu- public safety and cracking down on, like, you know, lawless gang violence is a big part of his platform. But, like, mm-hmm. he's also uh, the first president uh, since the 80s to have not been a member of the two political parties. You already mentioned the uh, yeah. FMLN and then the sort of right wing. Uh, uh, yeah, national the nationalist. Alliance. Yeah. Yeah. The mm-hmm. nationalist party. So like, what is this political party? And like outside of public safety and Bitcoin, like how would you describe their politics? It's kind of a big tent at this point. Um, when he was he was kicked out of the, of the left party uh, right before he became president. When he was still mayor of San Salvador, he got into it with one of the, uh, with like a labor leader. He, 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 yeah, he like punched the details her, right? fully out. He, he punched her, a woman, and called oh, her a, a woman. bitch and like a bunch of other things. Yeah. Wait, he, pun- uh, he punched a woman? He, he, I don't know if he bro, punched her, bro, but he definitely punch hit her. Punch me. Yeah. I can take it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like even, even in a very macho country like El Salvador, that is definitely not can't be doing uh, that. smiled upon. No, you cannot be doing that, especially not a, a political ally like this lady. Um, she was like the, the head of like the, the um, municipal workers union, whatever, right? Like this is like one person you really cannot fuck with. So he, he was almost immediately and summarily expelled from the party and fined quite a lot of money. And um, he was still a very popular candidate. He was very, uh, still a very popular politician. So he just glommed on to the next available one, which was another offshoot of people who were uh, expelled from the right wing party instead. And would form their own kind of thing, uh, G-A-N-A. It's like um, Ghana. It means to win in, in Spanish. And it kind of stands for like uh, the, the great party for national renewal or something like that, you know? Um, and, and they really didn't have like a, a platform. It was just like, we're just politicians and, and we, we need something like a, a block for like a bunch of corrupt mayors to join together and kind of look out for each other and not get expelled from, you know, or, or dismissed. Uh, from their posts. It's sort of like it's sort of a no labels party. But very much a no labels party, yeah. Another interesting thing is that um early on in his political career he was uh, very close with Venezuela, but was one of the first uh, South American leaders to recognize South or Central American leaders to recognize Juan Guaido as the legitimate yeah. president of Venezuela. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, he had a real uh, you know, uh, licked his finger, put it to the wind and saw where that one was blowing. Very keen, yeah. Um, well, Venezuela and El Salvador, ever since, because prior to, to Bukele being president, we had two presidents from the uh, left-wing party. And they were, you know, as, as a rule, uh, very friendly with Venezuela. So now that Bukele was, was elected into office and he, him not being super in tune with the left-wing factions of, of, of those parties, um, he, he's, he's very much a centrist liberal type. So, of course, he's very attuned to, like, Juan Guaido, like, very, very, very much a fan and admirer, I'm assuming, of him. Because, I mean, I don't know, maybe he sees that Miami in him. And he's like, that, that guy sounds cool. He does not seem like a loser. He goes to Miami all the time. He must yeah. fuck a lot. Yeah, he's, um, wearing, he's wearing sandals everywhere. He's probably got a, you know, probably got a moped or something. So, yeah, he, he was kind of forced to square the circle of, yeah, we're friends with Venezuela, but not that Venezuela. We're friends with the cool Venezuela, Juan Guaido, uh, the acne guy. <laughs> well, 
<laughs> he lives in a basement. <laughs> Edward James almost eat your heart out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um. So like, okay. So yes, we have like a the, the the El Salvadoran equivalent of like a no labels political party. But the interesting thing mm-hmm. is, he becomes a global or sort of world leader. Mm-hmm. Is that he he is very much slotted himself into like the CPAC circuit in this country and, and, and gotten yes. and made a number of close alliances with the far right wing in this country. And I just have a great quote from this is a uh, Naya Bukele speaking at CPAC quote. They say globalism comes to die at CPAC. I'm here to tell you that in El Salvador, it's already dead. But if you want <laughs> globalism to die here, too, you must be willing to unapologetically fight against everything and everyone that stands for stands for it. Dark forces are taking over your country. So I mean, he lies uh, like a CPAC speaker. <laughs> yeah. Is globalism dead in El Salvador? No, it's very much alive. Let me tell you a little story. <laughs> so I, I, it's no secret. I used to live in Spain for a little bit. I was going to college there and I, uh, I fucked up my visa. So I had to go back. Thankfully. You worked too many jobs and they were like, go home. <laughs> exactly. No, they found, they we found out about people like this. <laughs> yeah, they saw me earning a living wage, and they were like, "No, no, 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 no! You gotta, you gotta be, a, you gotta take the dole, pal! Come on, what the fuck? Where's, where's your siesta credit, man? Come on, get it! Uh, uh, no. Never work in this town again, or get out of here. <laughs> hammock inspection is here. Yours is too uh, not frayed enough. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I, I had I had to go back to El Salvador for a little bit and get. Uh, get another visa as a Salvadoran citizen. So I had to like renew all my paperwork, you know, go, go to the police and, you know, all, the whole rigmarole from scratch. And in my travels, you know, you have to renew a lot of these like residency documents to make sure like, yes, I'm Salvadoran. Yes, I live here. Yes, I want to go to Spain. And I swear to God, every single time I went to renew something, there was one guy, a European or like a gringo or like Asian even, um, like a Bitcoin type person. Uh, like they would give me like their their business card because like they heard me speaking in English. Oh, El Salvador. Like, okay, in El yeah. Salvador. Yeah, like they were in there. Like, okay, so you must be in on the the crypto the crypto revolution. <laughs> exactly, and and uh, as a rule, these people are all foreigners. There is exactly zero. No, not exactly zero. Maybe five people in El Salvador who really and truly believe in the Bitcoin thing, and everybody else just sees it as hey. They, they gave us all a Bitcoin wallet with 30 bucks on it. 30 bucks is 30 bucks, pal. Shit. Like that, that'll buy me a six pack and a little Coke. Well, um, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, but is, is it cheap down there? Uh, you know, if, if you, if you pinch from the right type of <laughs> I won't be pinching anything guy. from anyone. In any yeah, exactly. In El yeah. Salvador. Um, it, it's cheap until they come knocking. Well, well, Max, I mean, like the interesting thing about like, okay, so like the, the, the Bitcoin revolution in, in El Salvador. So like, has he mm-hmm. officially made Bitcoin like the legal tender of El Salvador? No. Or is he just backed up like currency reserves in Bitcoin? How does this actually work? So actually there's no currency reserves. Uh, I'll tell you something very fun about El Salvador is that it does not have its own currency anymore. Uh, it used to Yeah, it's they're still the they still have the US dollar, right? They yeah, they use the US dollar and and so they're beholden to US inflation and they're beholden to all these other things, you know, monetary policy that's handled by the the US government. And um probably one of the main reasons why Bukele wanted to uh you know, make Bitcoin a regular or a well, official tender. Well, Max, I have, a, I have a, from that sort of thing. In, in, in preparing for this episode, I found probably that my favorite quote uh, from one of Bukele's American supporters trying to describe to an American audience what the Bitcoin revolution is doing in El Salvador. Quote, mm. imagine JFK. If he had had Bitcoin to do battle with the CIA and central banks, and what you get <laughs> is President Bukele today. El Salvador <laughs> is the new Camelot. So right, just looking right. at JFK's exploded head. 
Bitcoin solves this. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, that's because he didn't have Bitcoin. Yeah. He didn't have Bitcoin could, to fight back. He could have put his brain uh, on the blockchain. <laughs> honestly, that... that <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, uh, honestly, I, I don't... That, that doesn't quite follow. At least Bukele fucks his wife. That's, yeah. Bukele's yeah. famously, yeah, he's, yeah. he's a wife guy. Big time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she, she was very pregnant for quite a bit of his uh, previous term. And now that he's been reelected to a second term, I can only imagine how many times he's going to knock her up. Uh, didn't he at one point do, do the gender swap thing or like uh, the, he did a gender filter and he, with hashtag new profile pic? I'm looking at a photo of my Twitter account here and I got to say he's pretty hot. He's pretty hot. Yeah, he, he has a good look. Latina and uh, Arab Habibi. I mean, you really can't go wrong, even with the face filter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he wears baseball hats. You know, that's relatable. But here, but here, here's here's what I want to ask you about, Max. Mm. For for crypto, for Bitcoin, for El Salvador, how does this mm -hmm. work in a country where something like seventy percent of the population exists in a basically underground cash only economy, or like how Very, acts like is paid yeah. in cash and like basically exists in a kind of not not black market, but like tax free, yeah. like off the books employment. It does not work very well. People are very wise to the fact that Bitcoin, by design, has a ledger that anyone can read. So people can say, "Hey, this guy paid you know twelve hundred dollars for uh, for sex tourism in El Salvador. Where's where's the VAT? Where, where's the value added tax? You know, did you pay that?" <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, it's people are very wise to that because of course they they don't want to fucking pay taxes on bullshit you know they know everyone steals that money they don't want to give the government any more fucking money right uh, it's it's uh people who are who are there who are living there are are very wise to it uh it kind of works or was envisioned to work in the same way that like i don't know if you remember uh from the early teens the early 2010s um it was a big push to uh promote micro finance in the developing world. Oh, yeah. World. Micro loans. It, yeah, they could yeah, cause thousands of Indian farmers to kill themselves. Exactly. Yeah. So th this is like the Salvadoran version of that. Like, we, we couldn't get a visa to sign off on it, so we got to roll our own. And um, <laughs> the way it kind of worked is the, the central bank set up, uh, or not even the central bank, no, the, the state-owned telecom set up a Bitcoin wallet for everybody, you know, with preloaded it with 30 bucks as a bribe, I guess. And um, people just uh, cast it all out and forgot about it. Like it, it's it straight up does not work. They only care about U.S. dollars because that is still the, the easiest way to send money from the states to El Salvador. You, you still don't have to do the currency conversion with Bitcoin. Yeah, I mean you don't have to pay money at the backside for transaction fees or anything like that, but you still have you know to pay out the ass for currency conversion to get dollars out of it. Because you're not going to fucking pay. You're not going to wait 15 minutes for a Bitcoin transaction to clear when you're at the fucking corner store for 0 0.005 of Bitcoin <laughs> to clear so you could buy hot Cheetos. No yeah. fucking way. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the other thing. Like, I guess you could say it technically doesn't have transaction fees, but like transferring like really any amount of Bitcoin from one wallet to another, you do kind of have to pay like a mining fee. And, yeah. and like, it's also pretty bad because like the smaller the amount of Bitcoin you send, the longer it takes kind of mm -hmm. because there there's a bunch of like, I, I can't really explain it, but there's a bunch of like rent seeking with like the ledgers and shit. And basically people mm -hmm. don't want to mine or whatever for a really small amount. But uh, if I'm not mistaken, he used like um, government reserves to buy a lot of Bitcoin, which 
Yeah. At first, he like lost a shit ton, but now Bitcoin's at like 60K again. Yeah, he's back in the black for now. He's starting to tweet about it. That's how you know the Bitcoin that, he, that he's back in the black because he spent like six months didn't say a fucking peep about bitcoin nothing <laughs> yeah like like six months prior to like the 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 state of exception thing in uh, last year that's when bitcoin kind of fell off i don't know if you guys remember yeah he was oddly quiet after months and months of like every weekend you know there's another tweet from him hey we just dropped another hundred million dollars on bitcoin we bought five bitcoin who's who's ready to party yeah let's go to the let's go to the Honestly, uh, club and drop all the bitcoin on a uh, bottle service Honestly, Max, I'm I'm still trying to financially recover from investing in Miami coin, <laughs> the cryptocurrency of the city of Miami. Never even got off the ground. <laughs> exactly. Um, I mean, honestly, that's kind of your fault for falling for a Cuban scam. <laughs> Can you imagine getting well, scammed by well, Cubans? Actually, I would kill myself. <laughs> well, Max, this is actually a great segue because you know, obviously, everyone knows about the uh, the Florida Cuban diaspora. And what a pain uh-huh. in the ass they are to everyone. But yeah, like uh, another interesting, another interesting statistic about Bukele is that he won ninety eight percent of the Salvadoran diaspora of the, of the sort of living abroad oh, Salvadoran yeah. vote. So like I don't know, like does does El Salvador have like a diaspora community in the United States and like as a political uh, as sort of like a political lobbying group in the same way that like the Cubans do? Oh, big time, big time. Uh, I think at this point, there's like two or three million Salvadorans living in, in the States. Like there's more uh, Salvadorans living in the States than there are uh, definitely in most uh, departments in the country, most most provinces, definitely more than there are in the capital city, which is only like two and a half million. Uh, so you're talking about a, a very big bo- voting block, almost all of whom uh, emigrated because of gang problems. Like you don't leave the country for nothing, right? You leave because... You because you, you, you got a finger take, take in our the jobs mail. and our women in this country. That's why you leave El Salvador. Well, yeah, listen, you, you, you find yourself a, a fine ass blonde woman and as as a four foot seven day laborer, it's it's better than winning the lottery, dude. I mean, shit, can you really blame him? I come and that, take it. Come and take my six foot blonde from me, El Salvador. That's happened every Raya match I've ever gotten. I've been outcompeted by a Salvadorian. <laughs> yeah, a, a, a guy, a guy who like scrapes the the griddle at McDonald's for a living, yeah, for forty hours a week is is has better, uh, you know, better dick than your average gringo. Yeah, I message, I message McKenna who puts her location as Bushwick and Silver Lake, <laughs> and her job, her job, her job is to like you know groom dogs that are about to be killed in movies. Mm. <laughs> and she's like the all woman group chat said you have like two star pipe <laughs> with the salvadorian now yeah no i mean you're you're really fucking a guy whose whose life depends on it you know if, if if the relationship goes bad if she breaks up with you and reports you to uh to la migra you know your your thumb is going away when you go back to el salvador they they get their fucking pound of flesh <laughs> <laughs> so yeah well, it's uh, it's tough uh, but just like uh, go- going back to his um, sort of, uh, I don't know, being plugged into the American right wing and they're kind of hailing mm-hmm. him as a hero. And just uh, as an example of that, I do have to mention that uh friend of the show, Roger Ayer, is, of course, a huge mm. fan of Nayib Bukele. Of course, I'll, I'll of just, course. I will just give you the headline from his American conservative article. Nayib Bukele, serious about saving civilization. It's going to take oh an American Bukele to de-wokeify the country after the soft totalitarian reign of error. But wait, I guess my question is like, 
I don't. Is El Salvador a particularly woke country that's in need of some sort of DEI reform? Or no. What's, or, yeah. No. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> wait, not. Like, wait, like, is his platform of fighting wokeness in El Salvador or only fighting it in America? Like, what's going on here? It's. It seems. Yeah. It, it's very much signaling for American uh, conservative donations to you know maybe flip it a little bit more. I don't know why he's so invested in it. Like he already won. Uh, a, in unconstitutional second term, second consecutive term. In no uncertain terms does the new Salvadoran constitution from 1980, or sorry, from 1992, in no uncertain terms does it say you are not allowed to run for a second consecutive term. He, he did something that Joe Biden was too pussy to do, which is pack the courts, the, the Supreme Court. And they were like, you know what? We're willing to look the other way. So you can have, you can have your second term, no problem. Uh, next up, he has an absolute supermajority in the Congress, right? He has like 48 of 52 votes in, in the Legislative Assembly. It's a unicameral assembly, so there's no senators to fuck shit up. It's just his people and like two or three different like soft shell lefty type, you know, parties that are like, hey, we want a little, you know, let's queer you know it what? up a, a I, little I bit. I take it back. I think we do need an Ayub Bukele for America. Maybe one with yes, different dude. beliefs, but like, honestly, uh, I see the appeal. I really do. I mean, listen, who would not vote for a guy whose number one campaign promise is to put every single like January 6er in like to, to like flip put them in El- put, send them to El yes. Salvador, <laughs> send them to yes. prison in El Salvador, deport them to El Salvador. Absolutely. Or, or, you know, if, if you max out your donations, you get to flip the, the switch on the electric chair. You know? <laughs> <laughs> just gringos are just uh, addicted to losing they love it they love to lose it, they don't have the hustle they don't born have the, the... to lose i'm sorry baby yeah. i was born to lose exactly so no i mean it seems like he's he's in he's in the catbird seat of el salvador right now it seems like he's not going anywhere and remains a no how, yeah. how would you assess his popularity within el salvador itself Total, complete and total, except yeah. for like the middle upper class, like educated people de- definitely see him as a threat. You know, they're very scared of eventually, you know, a third term. Who knows what's going to happen in the next five years? We have five year terms in El Salvador. Hopefully, you know, uh, one of them was enough to basically bring his uh, entire campaign platform to fruition. Like this is the first time that has happened in a long time, uh, irrespective of, you know, the cost of living, which is still very high compared to the average, you know, Salvadoran GDP or, or you know, uh, the, the per capita, you know, uh, income. It, it's still well, that's pretty a problem. low. It's a problem if you're still on the dollar and you're in Central America. It is a huge problem. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, he's he's one of the guys who's like very, um, he's very canny. He's very politically um, astute. He knows what people want and he's not afraid to give it to them. Uh, he's not afraid to, um, you know, put in actionable items in his platform and and have a way to do it, you know, or even if he doesn't, he can pull something out of his ass, which is uh, and, and stick to that, which is something that not not a lot of American politicians will do. Uh, you know, e- even the, the pulling something out of your ass, pulling a policy, you know, uh, throwing a Hail Mary, like, you know, putting everyone with a tattoo in uh, high security prison. I'm not against that. Me neither. Get rid of everyone with a sleeve. You're going yeah, away. Yeah. You're going away. I'm unless sick you, of it. Yeah, unless you could prove you're in the Yakuza. <laughs> <laughs> unless, <laughs> unless you're an unless you're in a woman I'm attracted to, you're going to jail for having tattoos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you have to have a minimum of one piercing for every tattoo, or else. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so it's it's I don't know. 
it's it's a beast. He's a beast that is completely unknown in the, in the United States, and I think maybe that that's also why he's seen as like this anti woke type of person because that's the only like political agenda that is actionable here in the United States, right? We don't have any any way to. It's you the know, only bandwidth in which things can be actually contested and like absolutely over and, or like the terrain of exchange of power is over, it, you know, what bathroom you can use. I, I don't want to say like these things are equal in severity or in, but, but just to like uh, bring this to like a, a problem that all Americans know, P- people living on the street, right? R- uh, rough sleepers, homeless, whatever you want to call them. At least in California, they're absolutely everywhere because they, they get shipped over here, right? But no municipal city or uh, county, state, whatever government is willing to put in the money and effort to actually, you know, do something for these people, right? Something concrete. That's build not housing. Just, exactly. Build housing. The city of Sacramento, where I live now, um, has had uh, five years now, I think. The, the, the current mayor, Daryl Steinberg, is a real piece of shit and a real lazy motherfucker, uh, has had five years to enact his uh, homeless like action plan, whatever. The only thing he's done in five years is waste $110 million on a lot next to the Air Force Base where he has micro houses, like one step <laughs> oh, above. It's like a tent with, oh, with a little bit extra wait, cladding no, on this top. This is like van living. People love it. Yes, yes. Well, <laughs> funny enough, it has uh, space for, for vans and, and you know, uh, plug-in power for people who live in their RVs and stuff. Oh, so you if can homeless, work remotely. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, you can work remotely. There's no, there's a 5G antenna next to it. So, uh, you know, you don't get any of the weird ones. And you can work remote. So you kill two birds with one stone. But even still, that's $110 million that could have gone towards something much more concrete and productive. You know, that's $110 million that you could put towards any, any, any other thing. Uh, mental hospitals, right? Inpatient services. Uh, a, a place for these people who need a place to sleep. Not just that, but like, who need round the clock psychiatric care to get them healthy again. That, that is not something that there's political will to do in this, in, in this state, much less in this city, even though everybody, absolutely every, if you go to r slash Sacramento subreddit, you know, I do this from time to time to see how bad like the weather's going to be or whatever, or like traffic. <laughs> um, every other post is about homeless you, you people. Go to, like, are you going to, are you going to the, re- the subreddit for Sacramento to check out what the weather is going to be today? Or, yeah, because they also have a very a, a terrible problem with the roads. So I commute okay. for, for my job. So if, if, if you don't check in advance to see which roads are flooded or not, uh, you might get stuck in like a forever traffic jam. It happens so often now that they just don't put it on the news. It's just like, well, it's going to rain. So you better pack eight, uh, eight hours worth of snacks in your car. <laughs> so it, that, that, that's the type of like political action that we're seeing in this country from our elected representatives and leaders and all of that. In El Salvador, they have a guy who puts people in concentration camps who are like, in uh, in a gang, like people, people who, yeah, people, people who like in, in, are seen to be like the guy who throws the torch, a lit uh, Molotov cocktail into a bus full of people at rush hour, uh, because they didn't pay uh, the right amount of rent right for the month. A Chapo Trap House does not endorse putting <laughs> or letting buses on fire. No, but Salvadorans definitely off. do. Salvadorans <laughs> definitely do. Well, you know, uh, there are di- different cult- different countries have different you know standards, and that's okay. For sure, I'm saying. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, honestly, like calling it a concentration camp is a little much. Like, it's not like they're putting them in the in the oven yet. They, they don't even have an an oven for it. But um, it's it's still uh, an actionable uh, item for the government to do. Right? They put it forward. They proposed it. They followed through. It has had results, even if they are cooked. You know, numbers. You know, if, if they're being manipulated, that's one thing. But at least 
um, people are not afraid to go out anymore. You know, it, it happened while I was there, actually, when I was doing my visa thing. Um, there was a lot of people who were very against it because, hey, you know, not everybody who has tattoos is a gang member. But um, the, the concrete uh, result of that has been, hey, you don't have to bring your gun with you if you, if you go out of the city, right? You don't have to keep your, uh, your gun in your glove compartment, uh, you know, locked and loaded in case you get carjacked in the highway. You know, not even in, in the city center. We're talking like the highway. Another th- big thing that he did that, that won over quite a lot of people was he cleaned out the city center, which had been full of, like the sidewalks were full of stalls and like uh, street vendors and stuff, which has its own charm. But, um, you know, pe- people were tired because these were a giant source of income for the gangs. You know, these are all, these are businesses which are not regular. They're not taxed regularly. So the gangs come in and they get their little taste. And, you know, if they don't uh, pay enough money, they torch the whole thing down. So getting rid of that and getting rid of that nuisance was a huge, huge booster for Bukele in El Salvador. Bigger even than the gangs, if I'm willing to say it, honestly. Well, uh, Max, I, I want to thank you for uh, everything you shared about uh, your home country. And now that your <laughs> appearance course. on Gringo, Cha- Gringo Trap House has alienated you from <laughs> both the government and gangs currently at war with the government of El Salvador, just rest assured that uh, it'll be smooth sailing for you from now on. Thanks due to your appearance on this podcast. Thank you. Before we go today, I do have just a couple of quick hits, a couple of fun stories, little palate cleansers I want to get to us today. And, you know, uh, the first two uh, deal directly with immigration, you know, which is, you know, El El Salvador uh, adjacent. And I'd just like to highlight uh, the comments Trump made uh, appearing at the U.S.-Mexico border today, of which he said, quote, of people crossing the border. People from places unknown, from countries unknown who don't speak languages. We have languages coming into our country. We have nobody that even speaks those languages. They're, they're truly foreign languages. Nobody speaks them. There are people who don't speak languages. We have languages coming into our country. Nobody, nobody speaks those languages. There's truly foreign languages. Nobody speaks them. He's he's incorrect, is by he the way. Is he speaking about uh, sort of like indigenous uh, languages from Central and South America? Because I think yeah, Spanish yeah. is pretty well fucking spoken in America. Maybe <laughs> Spanish he, is, maybe no, he number means one. like... Yeah. Maybe he means like those weird twin languages. <laughs> Nell, well, Jody yeah. Foster, Ma Chickabe, Ma Chickabam, <laughs> or maybe like a Lovecraftian sort of Chisulu Flagon Lagrum. No, it's, it's, they, they all speak like Puritan actually down there. <laughs> <laughs> nobody, it's, it's very nobody, annoying. Nobody understands very... what Puritan says. It's and there and there there are billions of them coming across the border. That that dumb moron doesn't know that it's part of their charm. To speak like yeah. no, um, <laughs> e- e- even like the 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 indigenous languages down there are Uto Aztecan. So like they're actually, I, I don't know. May- maybe someone in the comments can correct me on this, but they are more oh, or they less will, inter-intelligible with uh, with <laughs> many uh, native languages here in the states. Uh, well, so he's wrong on all accounts for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the next one is even more baffling than the, the people are coming in with languages no one knows how to speak. This is uh, Senator Tommy Tuberville I love uh, says him. that we must I love Tuberville. <laughs> he says we must secure the border so that we could get God back in government. He says, quote, you can't do that when you have a million people every couple of months coming to this country that know nothing about God. 
what's I going to say? This is fucking baffling to me because like any random person from Central or South American is about 1,000 times more Christian than like the most <laughs> Christian person in this country. Yeah, dude, any, any fucking like anyone from South America, all almost universally who I've met in my life, except for like the one Jewish Argentine that I know. They, Adolfo Hitler Jr.? No, no, he's he's made some very good critiques on that joke, uh, on that type of joke. We've had him on the show. Or I interviewed. Oh, right, him. right. But yeah, um, Steph, big love, big love. Yeah, but um, they just they are so into Virgin Mary and saints. I've never even fucking heard of. If you oh, yeah. tried quizzing an American Catholic about the saints <laughs> that like your average, you know, Guatemalan or Colombian or anyone like mm-hmm. anyone is into they would have no idea they are yeah. like the people that read the manga long before the end <laughs> <laughs> they've read every single issue of one piece in shonen yeah they do yeah. not use dubs over there i'll tell you that <laughs> but it's, that, it's uh, very funny yeah but what what uh, do, like what what do they think i mean do they think that they're all like uh pagans or something like that uh or is, I would it, assume that, or is so. it because he just doesn't he thinks the catholic church is paganism i think but, that that's perhaps what's being driven at here may, maybe he thinks they're into the religion of wokidad wokismo i'm honestly completely baffled because even if you look at solo scripturum type it, it, even that like like ever since the civil wars and like the unrest in the 80s where they killed a bunch of a bunch of the priests for saying you know hey it's okay to rise up against the government if they're trying to kill you for you know trying to get a better life or like improve your working conditions or improving your your living conditions even if even after they killed all these people uh, all these priests um that just meant that they converted over to evangelicalism like uh, baptist churches Pentecostalism. Are big Pentecostalism is huge. Pentecostalism there. Mormons made a huge alabaster temple in downtown San Salvador. They leveled that entire like swath of jungle that that was like a biosphere reserve uh, in in the city, like one of the only ones of it, of their kind, like a giant urban park. They built one of their one of their temples on it. And now it's just like a place for for Caleb and Kaylee to like go <laughs> pretend they're doing some good works, you know, just just party hard in in the. Uh, on, on the beach and then go back to Utah and say, hey, I like met Lisa, so many like, poor kids. Like Lisa Barlow's dumbass kid who goes on, a, who just went on, a, <laughs> was currently on a mission in Bogota, Colombia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. No, awful. But that that is the extent of like American, I guess, Christianity at this point, right? It, 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 there's no like connection, even in the Catholic Church. It's gotten to the point where there are Catholic bishops. American like bishops Catholics need to get excommunicated. And I know, I know I'm not Catholic, 100%. so I don't really have a right to say that. But I'm saying if I was yeah. the Catholic Church, I would consider cleaving myself of the entire American Catholic Church. One million percent. I mean, we, we are one pussy hair away from having an American Catholic Church with its own American <laughs> Pope. Oh, oh <laughs> I really would not oh. be surprised if that happened in the next 10 oh, years, like an God anti-woke damn. Catholic Church. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Who, who all like convert en masse to uh, Orthodox Christianity like Rod Dreher. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's baffling that they even, uh, you know, call them pagan or anything like that. Maybe they, they must be thinking... Now, this is all like anecdotal. I don't have anything to back this up, but there are quite a lot of African immigrants who first try to get to Colombia and then hike it all the way up to the border with uh, with Mexico. 
So th- that might be it. Like there's there's quite a lot of black people that are going up there. That people who speak Garifuna, you know, like a, a, a Creole, something like that. Haitians for sure. <laughs> One of these languages that nobody through. knows about. One of these languages that nobody knows about. One of these secret languages. Yeah, except that they're spoken by millions in their own <laughs> home countries. And, and millions of, 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 the, of the, that, that diaspora that exists literally in, in Houston, Atlanta, D.C., fucking uh, Baltimore, like Greek town where, where Stavi lives. That's all Salvadorans now. That's Salvadoran town. I remember in uh, one of Stav's stand-up specials, he talks about like the old residents of Greektown in Baltimore who are like guys who sit on guys who are employed <laughs> sitting on milk crates all day long, and they're like talking about the new Salvadoran population in Greektown, going, eh, they, "They do not even uh, speak uh, English." It's like, you don't speak English. What are you talking about? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think any of these Greek people have like a a license for their like bootleg uh, carpentry business? No, they do not. (laughs) Salvadorans do. I know know one, I know at least one Greek carpenter who doesn't. (laughs) Famously, like it's, it's a big meme in the community that like uh, illegal immigrants, like from from a, a legal immigrant pers- from a legal immigrant perspective, like they're seen as like oh they're still criminals, but at least they pay their taxes. You know, like that's the one thing they do. Right, they, they get an item like an individual tax uh, number. Right, it's not a social security or anything, but they still pay money to to the IRS. They send their checks every year. They're not going to get them off of that for sure. Now they they might play their cumbia a little bit too loud. Okay, and I do I, I agree with that. I am a little sensitive to it, but. That's not grounds for, you know, putting them in, sending them back to their home country. No, it's just sent to prison in this country if you play your music too Exactly. Well. I think that's no, a, that, fair, that, a fair listen, in, in a truly just society, we would have like a, a ministry of culture that would support these things and, and you know, set up venues for... A, uh, a system of, of social, hmm, what's it called? Credit? A social sort oh. of uh, benefit? We should, yeah, perhaps yeah, some benefits or something like that. Or, or hey, and also like, some look stern after artists in this country. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but hey, you know, a man can dream. All right. Well, this is, this goes into my final segue uh, for the, the last story I want to talk about, which is not immigration related, but it does involve taking care of artists. And I'm referring to, of course, the uh, ongoing revelations that Sean Puff Daddy Combs is like a Jimmy Savile level sex predator who's been raping men and women for decades, more or less. No, only. no. Uh, I, I, the guy whose only is, friend is Kanye West is raping people <laughs> and like a, a huge amount. No, no. Say, say it ain't uh, so well. I guess come it can't, on, can't, some, can't come as too big a shot, but like the, the ongoing lawsuits that uh, Mr. 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 Diddy is uh, dealing with right now uh, is, you know, certainly disturbing, but it has given rise to, uh, I think, a current, like, my favorite entry in what I'm calling Great Moments in Crisis PR. And I would just like <laughs> to, to read, for, read to you now. This is uh, because um, there, there's been some speculation that uh, Philadelphia recording artist Meek Mill is uh, sort of an unnamed uh, gentleman who has perhaps been on the receiving end of Mr. Diddy's uh, advances, shall we say? So this is uh, Meek Mill and whatever who are his PR people, and I guess he's you know he's a real one, so he probably doesn't have PR people. So he came out with this today or yesterday, just letting everyone know. When I got a girl around me, I'm fucking her twice a day. LOL. Yes. Ask some of, ask some of your favorites. <laughs> pussy don't control me, but it's like a high. One love to the gay people, but that juicy pussy do it for me. I done ran red lights to get that feeling. Y'all weird on here like devils. LOL. <laughs> to which I say, Yo, amen. Mr. Mill, 
flawless, flawless execution. You've put you've put this uh, rumor to bed. Just with is it too late to put him on the ticket instead of Kamala? (laughs) Everything juicy pussy do it for you and you and all of us. What do you think you you dropped out of a juicy pussy tree? (laughs) Literally, (laughs) we all did. Yeah, dude, fuck. Yeah, no. It, it, honestly, I'm I'm so happy that something new is coming out because it's been months and months and months of like Kanye West is anti-Semitic. Oh, R. Kelly went to prison. Yeah, how about Come a guy on. who's more evil than both of those guys put together? <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just waiting for Jay Z to be like a, a, a serial pussy eater. Like, just, uh, <laughs> <laughs> getting his Michael Douglas on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Who, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, that, really, that would be the, the icing on the cupcake. That's like the most perverse thing about Jay Z. Is like, you know, you have Diddy, who is, you know, one of the most evil people alive. He's mm. like, he's like a, a character from a pamphlet they released in the 1920s, warning <laughs> women about like evil gay men who poison you <laughs> and, you know, have sex with Meek Mill. But, uh, you know, he clearly accumulated all this power so he could do weird things to everyone. But Jay-Z, he really just like he really only cares about, you know, real estate investment trusts and rapping about swallowing clits. Yeah. yeah. Rapping about mutual (laughs) funds. Jay-Z, Jay-Z is is the type of guy who would pick dinner with Jay-Z over a million (laughs) dollars. Does anyone remember the like this? The, it was like a sort of a mild digression in, in the the big part, the in the big wave of like Kanye West as a Nazi thing. When it came out, there was that clip of Kanye West talking about how Jay Z got mad at him, or someone got mad at him for uh, uh, spilling Jewish business secrets. <laughs> Jay Z told him Jewish business secrets that had been told to him by his Jewish business managers, and that like Kanye West had spilled the beans, and now like the secrets are out, and the secrets amounted to own property, invest in real estate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. Jay Z and P Diddy are like the two types of rappers who like they talk. You know how they talk about having a Jewish lawyer and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they, they they're like they fully believe that they have a happy merchant lawyer. You know. <laughs> Happy Merchant JD, attorney yeah, of law, yeah. is representing P. Diddy, and yeah, yeah, and they're like, yeah, pl- please tell us how to how to you know <laughs> how to how to trick the goyim into giving us more money. Uh, <laughs> I'd like more goy slop like, from Jay Z in the form of a <laughs> subpar album. <laughs> Time for more goy yeah, slop. It's Kingdom Come Part Two. With, with three too many like Beyonce features because he couldn't get anybody else. <laughs> yeah. I, I, did you I'm see the thing about uh, Felix? I, I gotta ask. Did you see the thing about Goy Block? Yeah, no. In, in addition to Goy Slop, <laughs> yeah, that one. Time for your Goy Block. That and I was one. And I was like, damn. You know, I do like those Delta Airlines cookies. Give me more. Give me more. <laughs> that one's so funny because the guy doing it was comparing, like, you know, a, an advertisement for flying in the 1950s. You know, like an ad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like an ad shoot of like first class back then, which. You know, probably cost the equivalent of chartering a jet now. And the implication—you got a full turkey dinner, though. You got a full Thanksgiving dinner. I would love that. I would love a fucking. I would love a fucking turkey dinner cooked on an unpressurized cabin <laughs> in 1952. Yeah, in a hermetically sealed cabin that's mostly tobacco smoke. Yeah, that is. Yeah, yeah. Just, it's 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 it's. Uh, they actually have a grill in the galley at that point. Dude, <laughs> that a is smoker. Just, Going on one of those unpressurized planes, you are just like you you are 
adding and taking away more chromosomes per second than <laughs> anything. You are just playing Russian roulette with any yeah. pregnancy you have. But uh, he, I liked it because he like, yeah, he, he compared the two. It's like, look, before Jews ruined this country, you could have a Christmas goose on an unpressurized prop plane. <laughs> and now the Jews have ruined the country. You have to eat a goy That's how they kill Senator block. Wellstone. Yeah, a, a goy block is, that one's going to be stuck with me forever. Yep. Come, when the DMT hits my brain as I'm going out, the last thought's going to be, Go, get me my goy block. <laughs> Could, ju- Justin, Jason, clean up your goy blocks before dinner. <laughs> uh, ever since uh, yeah. I came to this, ever since I became aware of the uh, Jewish community in El Salvador, I realized that the real Jews down there are the uh, the Christians, the Palestinian Christians, the real OGs, like you said. Well, yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ, they own. I'm sorry, not to get very tropish on here, but they really do own everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, no, but for real, like the 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 immigration that that happened, like in the early twenties, uh, because of the first like pogroms against uh, you know uh, Palestinians in, in Israel, they were the first ones to to leave. They went straight for El Salvador. They knew what was good for them. And now, 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 now there's now there's like a Palestinian world leader. Yeah, yeah. All this to say, I I think it, it would be very interesting to propose. Uh, maybe El Salvador and Honduras can give up some of their land to create a new Palestinian homeland. <laughs> the Jews don't want to give theirs up. <laughs> I just, I, I just had I, like the go. I'm still stuck on the Goy block thing. I just love the idea <laughs> that there's like, there's like a cabal. There's like a secret meeting in like a strange love type room with a bunch of rabbis, and they're like. What's a demeaning food we can make goys eat? Cookies. <laughs> like big blocky Delta Airlines cookie. <laughs> and then like and then they're like, okay, yeah, we're gonna give them the cookies and then we're gonna uh, invest in real estate and then it's all sewn up. Wait, gotta, J- the, the, real, the real goy block is is uh, oatmeal raisin cookies. Yeah, no, yeah, I'll agree with that. <laughs> What a sad state of any, affairs. Any Midwesterners will recognize the true Goy Block cookie, Carol's Cookies. These are... Uh, <laughs> I don't know that one. I think they're specific to the Midwest. They're great. They're like the type of thing, you know, they're the reason why people in Wisconsin have the life expectancy of Russians in the 90s. Careful. 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 Oh. I would assume it was mostly Carvel <laughs> to blame for that. <laughs> But they're like Catherine. Do not listen to this episode. But they're like uh, <laughs> these, like they're like one pound each, and they're a mound of like sort of. I'm making it sound worse than it is. They're actually really good, but it's like not very sort of like medium rare cooked cookies. Mm. Oh, chewy. like they're very doughy. They're those are yeah. great, and they're like um, I would put them in the goy slop genre, but like great goy slop <laughs> i mean you can't get any more right. goyish goyish than than uh hot cheetos yeah wait a second max i saw a whole movie about how that was a great moment in a <laughs> latino american history wait yes think- yes and and latinos are famously uh you know great circumcisors and very jewish coded 
<laughs> do you think the you closest think, we get is that we love our mothers? That's all. Uh, <laughs> do you think Sorry, that? Felix, uh, do you think that a um like a Hasid has ever eaten hot Cheetos or Takis? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. M- m- yeah, as as an assisted the fr- suicide. The forbidden, uh, the thing. forbidden fruits of uh, New York. <laughs> They're like every, every one of those guys building the tunnel had like a hot Cheeto packed in their cheek, like a cyanide capsule, and they were like, <laughs> "If the cops come, just bite down on this." That's probably I just feel really what sad tunnel, for all the. The tunnel was for was to like eat, secretly eat Takis away from their <laughs> away from their wives. I feel really sad for uh, for the uh, Orthodox kids in upstate New York who. Uh, had they, they bought the, the blue hot Cheetos because they thought they were pro-Israeli and they had one single crumb and it fucking sent them right to Baruch Hashem. <laughs> uh, all right. We, I got to wrap it up there. This has been, 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 been a very fun, very generous episode. Thanks to, thanks to our sweet Palma. Yeah, oh, so, thank you, guys. Palma. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, th- it's thank been you, a real thank pleasure. you so much, Palma. It's always a joy to talk to you. Do you have anything you want to plug? Anything, anything uh, coming out? Yes, I got two things. Number one, please listen to Seeking Derangements on any podcast app of your choice. Um, I think I, I really have to thank you guys for believing in us from the very beginning and, uh, and and really pushing that show forward. It really would not have happened without you guys. I, I'm super grateful. Um, and well, I'm a genuine want, fan. Me too. If you want more Seeking Derangements and more Chapo Trap House, we have quite a lot of backlog of episodes. Uh, just five dollars a month, and you got. I think we're at episode three hundred now. I'm. I. By the way, Felix, I'm still thinking about what jo- what Jock said about how Eleanor Roosevelt invented birthdays. That on the, our last our, our last appearance. That is, that's another thing that's never going to leave my mind. That is a true deathbed uh, thought. The one that oh I God. that sucks with me from that episode is Jacques saying a classic Jenna Jameson style wife. <laughs> yep. yep. That one's been rattling around for me for a while. Yeah, no, truly, truly. Uh, God bless you guys for enabling his uh, his dab addiction and his vomiting <laughs> uh, treatment. And uh, one last plug is I've been working for quite a long time now, I've been doing some research on uh, if you guys enjoy, for example, like Age of Napoleon or Le Siècle, like these uh, not very hardcore but very personable history podcasts. I do re- really want to do something similar uh, like that for Central American history, Latin American history, which is. Like you said, well, like this is uh, these are countries that people barely know anything about. People think they speak a language that does not exist or nobody <laughs> speaks, which is really not true. I mean, uh, it's they have quite a long history and quite a lot of culture to share. Um, so I expect more plugs from that um, in in a month or two when I've finished writing the script. Uh, All right. Well, when that season, when that drops, so. when that drops, we'll have you back on to talk about oh, uh, please, more about Central pleasure. about Central America. Oh yes, I, I'd be so happy. Um, so anyway, yeah. Uh, that does it for today's episode. We'll see you in another four years on Leap Year. All right. But we're, but we're done taking off. I'm taking off till the next February 29th. All right, everybody. Bye-bye. All right. Love you all. Bye-bye. Bye. Palma, will you send me a disco funk banger for to use as the outro? Yes, absolutely. Actually, I, I, I was thinking of using um, a cumbia track. I, I have a couple yeah. of really good ones. Cumbia track? Cumbia. Cumbia. <laughs> Compound media. Yeah.